Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Linda Wynn from Roostar Vietnamese Grill coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is an expert on food, wine, and good times, as well as a licensed esthetician. We follow her on Instagram at Swanky Maven. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. I am doing wonderful. Happy to be back. Seems like it's been a long time, but I think because last time we were early in the month, so it's so many weeks since I've talked to you. I know the right. people need to hear from me, you know? The people so, miss you. The, the people value your presence. I got to give them what they want. Let's get it going. All right. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Burt's Meat Market announced that it will close March 31st. This is the legendary Fifth Ward Butcher Shop. It serves all kinds of homemade sausage, boudin, you know, a a really great steam table, soul food lunch. This is a real staple in Houston's Black community. It's a place that uh, a lot of people are really upset about. So Felice, as as I like to say, not that you speak for for all black people, but but only that you speak from your own experience. How would you describe Bert's significance and and kind of will you miss it? Let me let me I don't want you to get ate up because you know people are real technical about these lines. So it's Fifth Ward Denver Harbor. Let's let's make sure we, you know, right. Denver Harbor people may come at your throat. So let me throw that out there. Uh <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. So um you know what? I was really sad because as you're saying, it is a staple. It's, I grew up um, going to Burt's. I would always be excited when, like when my mom would come home with it, I would be excited. But for me, like I love going to meat markets for whatever reason. And just to go to Burt's and, you know, pick out my boot in and like, it just was like an experience. And um, I think because it's in the community where for so long, like that was where the community went and shopped because as we know, there wasn't like a gang of grocery stores in the inner city, in that area, you know, in any areas, but on the North side, like that's a staple. And it was so funny. Um, I was talking to my aunt about it um, today. Cause I was like, did you hear about it? Um, she was like, just start thinking about the memories of how long it's been there, you know, 75 years, and people coming from like all over the city, right? Like to um, get the booty in there. And I think in the um, last 10, 15 years, the consistency um, has been off a little bit for me, you know, like where I just remember back in the day, you know, it's always going to be good. And when I talk to people, um, they're like, yeah, you know, you may go, it's good, maybe off a little bit. And I think, you know, that's just kind of with any business, I guess, as you're passing it down through generations with the families and the the kids trying to get, because it's changed, you know, it, it's changed. As growing up, I don't remember them having a steam table. So, you know, they've evolved the business and it's changed and grown a lot. And um, I guess, you know, in some areas, this pandemic, I don't, I don't know why they're closing, um, but I'm pretty sure like business is down a lot. And it's unfortunate. So I'm really sad to um, see them go, but they've had a wonderful run. Yeah, no, I, I think that, right. They have not said why they're closing. They just announced that it, 
They just said basically that it's time. I mean, I admit this is not a place that I've, I've been, I've certainly been there uh, a couple of times over the years, but it's not anything close to my regular rotation, but you know, I have had the, you know, I have had the bacon wrapped jalapenos. I have had certainly the boudin. I've had, you know, different items off the lunch table, uh, boudin balls, all that kind of stuff. And it, it does seem like a real sort of staple of the community and, and a place that kind of brought that, that flavor of East Texas or even kind of Louisiana mm-hmm. to Houston. And, you know, so many people moved to Houston from, from those parts of uh, Texas and beyond that it's like a little taste of home, I think for them. I yes. think that's one of the mm-hmm. things that's made it so yeah. essential. Yeah. And then, you know, when you go there, um, I just think about going when I was growing up, um, like everyone knows everybody. Like even if someone's like moved away or they don't live in the area and they're frequent, like they know everybody. So, and there's a lot of the the folks that work there that have been there forever. You know, so I'm sad. Um, I'm you know I'm just sad about that because it's just again it's a part of the community. Like it's an extension of the community over there. So it'll be missed. Absolutely. All right. Let us move on to topic number two. Chef Omar Perinet has launched a new culinary consulting company, Culinary Matters. He had been a partner in a la carte consulting, which is like a staple of the Houston restaurant scene. And while he was working for a la carte, he's opened a whole bunch of places in his role with that company, uh, including Vibrant, including Traveler's Table, most recently the Nash. Of course, we know Omar, he was the chef at Pesca, when it opened uh, near the Galleria, he's this uh, kind of wonderkin, you know, he's still in his 20s, but he, he had a run on TV in Latin America, and then he came to Houston uh, right before he turned 21. So he's really kind of evolving into, the, uh, into a new role in the culinary world, and he started his own, his own company that will focus kind of on a, a comprehensive approach to restaurant development, kind of starting with the food and then going to branding and menu design, and then finally sort of photography and social media. So um, a really interesting development from Omar, someone who's been on the show before. Um, Felice, you know, Omar, what do you think about his latest move? I'm so excited for him because as you said, you know, he's so young, right? And just when he started, he came to Houston and I'm like, this is like, you know, like this culinary genius, this wonder kid. And just to see at that time, I was like, I wonder where he's going to be in five years and 10 years. Because he's still going to be young. And just to see him pull all his, um, the, the things that he's good at and be able to help other restaurants because he's a visionary. And then he has that, you know, he's not like set his ways where it has to be this. He's on top of the trends. He knows what's going on. So I'm very happy to see him lean into pull all his strengths together and be able to help these new concepts. Because a lot of times people have a great idea. Like here's the idea. And they may even, this idea, they're able to get the money and you know get the capital and they go out and open a restaurant. And it doesn't necessarily fail because they weren't onto something. It fails because they don't know how to pull all these components together and make it work and, um, you know, just 
be have a good run at it. So I'm happy to see him um, in this role and just super excited for him because I just think he's the best like at what he does. He does a really good job and I can't wait to see his next, this new chapter. Right. No. I, I, and I think what you said is, is very insightful, right? There are people who have ideas for a restaurant, right? So for example, you know, um, Kelly Barnhart, when it came time for Vibrant, you know, I want a restaurant that serves gluten-free, no GMOs, no white sugar, dairy-free, right? That was her, that was her vision. And then someone has to figure out how to turn that into recipes and dishes that like cooks can execute, you know, and that that people will want to eat. So that's kind of where Omar comes in and he's been doing it for a while now. And, and really this is kind of him putting together his own team of people that he has encountered in his various working relationships so, you know, he's got now a wine guy and a cocktail guy and a pastry chef and someone who specializes in like food safety and handling and a photographer and, and someone who does interior design. And so all of these people who are sort of experts in their field that have all worked with Omar that he sort of selected can now be brought to bear. So the next time someone comes to Omar and says, I have this idea for a restaurant you know, it's based on my grandmother's recipes. Uh, I think people, you know, people love my cooking, yada, yada. And it's, it's, you know, building all the blocks that kind of put together a place so that, you know, ideally uh, it can be successful because the restaurant business is just chews people up and spits them out. Yeah. I think it's um, very smart. I think it's um, a very fresh concept of what he's doing. Like, you know, cause when he was at the forefront I'm pretty sure where he's like, he's consulted his team, right? Like I, I need, I'm going to call this person for this and this person for this. And he's done it so much where it's like, it only makes sense for me to turn this into a business and, you know, just be able to package it in a way he would want to package it and make it more turnkey. So I'm, I'm salute him. I'm excited for him and much success on the new business, Omar. Absolutely. All right. And then topic number three, Chef Vanessa Lomely has opened the 915 in the Heights. We know Vanessa from her time at Habanero and the Garo, where she was the chef and her, uh, she was in a prior relationship with the, the owner of that restaurant. They opened that restaurant together, but she never had an ownership stake. This was all sort of documented on an episode of uh, Restaurant Impossible where Robert Irvine came and tried to get them sort of on the same page, get the restaurant running right. And of course the, the personal relationship didn't work out. And so now she's on her own in the Heights serving the El Paso influenced Tex-Mex that she was known for at Habanero and the Garo. Uh, Felice, did you ever make it to Habanero and the Garo? I mean, what do you think about Vanessa going out on her own? I did not ever make it. And, um, but I've heard a lot about the food. And so it was very unfortunate that I didn't make it. But you know me, I'm all about the girl power. So, you know, her going on her own, doing her thing, I'm, I, I salute her. But I do know a thing about 915 food. Now that I do, I'm, I have cousins that live there. Um, and so I've spent quite a bit of time in El Paso. 
and you know El Paso's right there in that sweet spot where you know you got El Paso, um, Juarez is right there. Then you go New um, New Mexico, so you get a mix of all of that um, when you go um, culinary wise when you're going to dine. So I cannot wait to dig into her food because I know I'm expecting her to bring it, Vanessa, bring all of that to Houston. All right. So then for you, if you, when you, when you make it to the 915 for the first time, like what is the, what is the dish that you will sort of judge it by when you compare it to your experiences going to El Paso and Juarez and places like that? Ooh. So the, um, the green chili enchiladas for sure. Those are like my thing. Like even the green chili and the red enchiladas, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm excited. That's, you and I were briefly talking about that. There was a place that had something similar-ish. And when I found out, like, they closed before I got a chance to get my last fix. And that's what I would always go there for. Like, I would always go there and get that. So I'm um, going to try that and be excited about those. And then I'm excited about the new dishes. Um, I think it'll be cool to see how, if she does, and she probably will, have like um kind of our Tex-Mex. There's going to be some dishes that are influenced by the Tex-Mex here and there to see how she does that fusion. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited. And people that know me know that, you know, I love Tex-Mex a lot. So I can't wait to dig in. Right. So currently it's available for uh, delivery and to go on all the various third-party apps. Dine-In is coming. I will say I ordered green chili enchiladas last week and really enjoyed them. I thought they were very flavorful. I thought they were well executed. Um, I got a side of guacamole just to try it, you know, nice citrus vibrance, you know, um, good texture on the avocado, well seasoned. Uh, so I think she's off to a pretty strong start and it's a, a restaurant that I'm pretty excited about and looking forward to kind of going back to for a real mirror. And another thing that I would see, I don't think that they're doing this. I, I remember reading the article. I may have missed this. I know they're going to be open for lunch and dinner. Is that correct? I think that's correct. Yes. So I think the evolution that I would like to see because uh, El Paso Mexican food breakfast is insane. Like the breakfast is, the food is really, really good. So that would be cool if they don't add like breakfast because it doesn't make sense because I don't have enough traffic. But I would say that we don't have enough breakfast places here. But, you know, to add that brunch and to be able to do that traditional offer those dishes, I think that would be like a home run. Well, right. You can't you, I mean, you almost can't have a restaurant in the Heights and not serve brunch on the weekend. Yes. I think there's a yes. some sort of uh, city ordinance or something. So. <laughs> So yeah, they'll they'll. I'm, I I have a feeling if that's if that's not in her immediate plans, it will certainly come soon because there's just no way it'll be a demand for it. Yeah. Oh yeah, huge demand. Uh, you know, me and Mexican breakfast is is just one of those staples of our culinary life here in Houston. You know, you right? Can, <laughs> you can never really have you can never really have too much of it. I agree. All right, Felice, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our. Restaurants of the Week, stick around.
So, Felice, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you briefly about the brunch we had at Killen's. This is Ronnie Killen's restaurant on Heights Boulevard near Washington Avenue. They sort of call it Killen's in the Heights. People who actually live in the Heights get really annoyed anytime you call something south of I-10 the Heights. <laughs> so we won't call it the Heights. Uh, but it's Killen's we'll call it Killen's the in the city. We'll call it Killen's in the yeah, city. Killen's in the loop, because it's, <laughs> it's at least for now, it's the only one in the loop. <laughs> so let me uh, let me just put it to you. I mean, we we had sort of aspirations to go somewhere else, but they were super crowded, so we we pivoted. Uh, what did you think of our brunch at, at Killen's? I thought it was a good pivot. Um, you know, we've talked, I've gone there a couple of times for lunch and um, well, lunch dinner. And I enjoyed it. So I was looking forward to the brunch. I would describe it as kind of where we talked about an elevated comfort food. And I think they delivered on, it's not, it's not too complicated. It's not that they're trying to, they're just trying to give you good food. Um, and I think they delivered on that. Um, we got, I got the chicken and waffles. And um, we had the pork belly, which I think we started with the pork belly, which, you know, you can get that. That's a staple, right? That's a killer. Right. Ronnie's oh. pork belly burn ends are a staple. Right. They're a staple. So, you know, we were kind of, we're going to get an appetizer. And we're like, so we started with that. So, um, but I, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was, you know, people love the fried chicken. I was torn between the shrimp and grits and the, um, chicken and waffles but I knew um that in my mind I was going to get a pancake or a waffle ish because that's what I had already planned from earlier you know where we were going to go earlier so I'm like this will be a perfect combination um I think as far as the menu selections have good menu selections with appetizers um traditional kind of non-traditional and drinks and um yeah so I, I was pleased I was pleased with what I ordered yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's a very classic, you know, almost diner style kind of brunch menu. And you had chicken and waffle and, and I had these like oversized fluffy pancakes reminded me a little bit of kind of the that Buffalo Grill style where they're they're sort of thick in the middle with the crispy edges. Uh, you know, they came with plenty of butter and syrup. And then we got all of the breakfast meats to try. We got ham and bacon and sausage links and some hash browns, uh, all of which I thought were, were very well executed. Uh, really enjoyed the pancakes. I think, you know, you're, you kind of, it's a funny sort of thing because I saw Ronnie recently at the new barbecue place in the Woodlands. And he said he had to kind of ride the cooks closely at Killens because they kept trying to like add microgreens or, tweak the recipes and he's like no no like this should be like you're eating at your grandmother's house there's no microgreens at grandma's house you right. can't you can't tweak the recipes they just need to be the same every time super consistent and and i think that's uh that's what they've achieved yeah you gotta let it sometimes you just have to let it be what it's going to be right um one thing i would like to see and a lot of people in houston just <sighs> mm. So the chicken and waffles. So you can either get the chicken and waffles with chicken tenders, which I that I, I just call that a Houston thing because I'm like, what? Like that's <laughs> like right. uh, that that's just wrong. But 
so many people offer it, but I think it's great that they offer it where you can get the chicken and get the chicken tenders or half a chicken. Cause I think they understand that they're just doing that cause it's a Houston thing. Okay. Um, so when they offer the half a chicken, um, I think that, um, I like that, you know, to have a chicken. So I, of course, I pushed it because I'm like, do y'all let people do substitutions? Because I'm thinking, you know, you have the half. I don't really eat thighs. So I'm like, had Eric not been there in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I would have tried to find someone to give it to. So I asked, can I, you know, substitute this? Do you have pieces back there? Because people ask for a white meat or dark. And they're like, no, it's a true half. And you go with that. So, but, um, so for purists, I would say go with the half, half chicken, because then, you know, you'll at least get, um, your, you'll get both white and dark meat. Yeah, no, if you want, right. If you want just wings, you still got to go to the breakfast club for that. Correct. Yeah. Or Lucille's. Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. And then, uh, just briefly, I published a list with some new steak nights. I know that you enjoy a good steak night. And so I just thought I would ask you if you had had a chance to look at the list and kind of what, what has you intrigued? Eric, I must say, this is one of my, when I thought I was like, yes, a new steak night. Cause I do love steak nights and I'm like, Hey, I need a new steak, like night list. So anyone likes steaks, let me just tell you now, go, if you haven't seen it, bookmark it, bookmark it. And then, cause they're all they're you know, they're new, they're different. So I'm not going to give you all of them. I know y'all want me to. You need to go read the article. But here's what I would say. Here are my favorites. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, Better Luck Tomorrow. And I like it because, you know, it's, you you don't know what you're going to get, right? They're, they're, he's doing something different. They're mixing it up. I right. think Every that's Every two weeks they change it up. They're changing it. So I like that. But then I, here's why I really, really like it. Um, because you can get Justin you like e- Justin you on a budget. Because you may go there in two weeks and he just gives you some like, you know, you don't know what um, piece of steak or what steak you're going to get. And you can get it during happy hour with the happy hour drinks and the steak. So I like that. I was excited about that one. And, you know, me and Jalen have an upcoming date to better luck tomorrow so i think we're gonna do that there you go and, uh-huh. and it's available at lunch which i think is kind of nice yeah yeah because that's when they that's have cool. they have their happy hour until five when all the drinks are half off yeah that's, so you, that's can, you can stack the value of steak night <laughs> with discount liquor if you go at lunch or in the afternoon that's i'm excited about that i'm, I'm gonna plan around that okay i'm planning okay. around that and um another I was going to, and I'm not going to give that one because I just did that. Oh, and then um, you have me excited about um, Blue Dorn because you were ranting and raving about the prime rib. I have to try this prime rib. So I'm excited about that one too. And that they were able, it was so popular that they turned it into something temporary into a steak night. So those are the, my top two that I am dying to try. But there's more on the list that are different prices that, again, you got to download and save the article. Right. I will say the one that I 
kind of want to direct people to is the post, which is a wine bar and beer garden uh, on North Main, uh, basically across the street from Lalo. And I went there with a couple of friends and they cook them on a grill. So you get a little bit of wood smoke. It's a, it's a thick steak and they have these really outstanding sides, including these really great Brussels sprouts. So, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of, I need to move that one up my list. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the hidden gem of the whole list. Cause it's the super chill spot uh, with a really delicious steak and a, you know, a pretty solid value. I mean, you know, the days of like the $12 steak night are probably mostly gone. So, you know, your steak, your steak night will cost you, you know, 25 bucks or whatever, but you know, I think it's totally worth it. You get a better quality, you get a better cut of meat, you get a better experience. Uh, so that's, uh, that's my, that's my pick for people. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to get my steak on. All right, Felice, thank you very much. Thank you. And I will be right back with Linda Wynn. I am joined this week by one of the co-owners of Roostar Vietnamese Grill. We follow her on Instagram at Boss Lady Roostar. Linda Wynn, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. You know, I always kind of like to start at the beginning of people's careers. So tell me a little bit about how you became interested in the restaurant business. I know you went to the U, U of H for the hotel and restaurant management uh, degree, but, but what kind of led you down that path? So growing up, I've always, I always loved to be around people, whether it was helping my parents at their grocery store or going with my mom to work when she used to work at a, a local supermarket. I always loved to work with people. I always like to be front and centered and kind of accommodate guests as best I can, whether it's serving food or helping them pack their groceries and things like that. So the people aspect was very important to me. I always, you know, love providing great service and getting that kind of relationship built throughout the year. So of course, getting older, it was sort of like what kind of career path I wanted to choose. So of course I chose, you know, being in an industry where I work with people day in and day out. Um, and it's, we build relationship regulars and we see them every year consistently every day and so forth. So I was a, an optician at a doctor's office for about six to eight years. I did that for a while until um, my husband, Ronnie decided to open up a restaurant and eventually we just kind of deterred that and just focused more on running the business. Right. So when you, you met Ronnie, did he already have the idea for Roostar or, or when did that sort of come into effect? So when, when I met Ronnie, I was 18, fresh out of high school. Ronnie helped me get my first kind of restaurant job as a hostess at a sushi restaurant. And from then on, of course, we had to work, save up, kind of support ourselves a little bit to be able to put ourselves through college. Once we were able to do that, I, we started off community college first and restaurant life, you know, it was something quick, fast, easy for young 18, 19 year olds. Um, and 
that's that sort of help us throughout our careers. So working at restaurants was always our top thing that we did. Um, it was I was a hostess, then I became a server. Um, but eventually that kind of held us through our career whenever we were students. And eventually, of course, we both decided to go through um, the Conrad Hilton College at U of H. I emphasize in catering management. Ronnie did restaurant management. And when he graduated, we were sort of like, do we want to work for somebody or do we want to open up our own concept? And that's when we decided to open something that we felt at that time was, I guess, easy to execute. Um, and it was easy. It fit the culture. It was clean. It was something that was tech driven that we felt like being young owners at the age of 24, 26, that we could do confidently. And if we failed, we were young enough to kind of pick ourselves back up and try something else if it didn't work out. Right. So tell me a little bit about developing the idea of Roostar because there are so many Bon Me shops in Houston. You guys do things a little bit differently. You, you know, you hit a slightly higher price point, you have craft beer. So how did you sort of conceive of Roostar as maybe different than kind of the mom and pop Vietnam uh, sandwich shops that you had grown up eating at? Absolutely. So um, we always knew that if we were to run a type of business, it would be something that was very cultural based. Um, it was like a belief and it's not just in the food factor, but our crew members that are with us day in and day out. It's a big difference having both Ronnie and I actively till this day running the business together with our team. We knew that the environment had to be clean. It had to be organized. It had to be consistent. Uh, we knew that having someone, a familiar face that customers would always see in and out where we built a relationship where they were unhappy with something, they're able to tell us directly and we can fix it right then and there. Um, and we we always try to have a, a yes policy is what we call it. You know, within within reason, if we had to, you know, if somehow you ate your entire banh mi and didn't like it and you told us, we would still make you a new one. It didn't matter what the reason was. We wanted to make sure that whether, you know, to make you happy at the moment you step foot out of that restaurant. So we knew that was important. We accept all major credit cards. We did not run a cash only business. Uh, we made sure that we did everything right in the beginning so that it it made people feel like, wow, it's it's different than most places. Even in the first year of business, people kept saying, oh, do you accept credit card? Do you accept credit card? And we're like, yes. And then once Apple Pay came out, we, we take Apple Pay. We take Android Pay. So now we have an app. So people are like, wow, you have an app. And, you know, we've always knew that being tech driven was very important to grow. And it really has tremendously helped us through the pandemic as well. Right. And, and I know part of it also is that you, you utilize some family recipes in, in some of the dishes. Yes. So a lot of recipes, if it's not from Ronnie's, it's from my mom that she passed down to me and we sort of tweak it um, over the years. But the main parts is just having the main concepts of how to prepare something. And of course, us having a different type of palate than our parents back in the day, we change it as we go and it continues to evolve as well. And our, our guests um, has a lot of input in different products we may use, ingredients or flavors or the way we cut this or cut that. So we evolve and we continue to do that. So like what's one example maybe of 
something that's evolved over time that you you were doing when you opened and that in response to feedback you've you've changed a little bit and now it's better okay so i would say our i would say our vitamins iced coffee we used to make it very very dark and a lot of you know we used to probably serve about a good 12 ounces with ice on it and people would feel like oh it, it's too bitter so okay we added more condensed milk and we added a little bit of hazelnut to give it more of that nutty flavor um our pork belly some people like that red color and in the beginning we didn't like to use red food coloring um, but now over the years we're able to get access to ingredients that we can use um, to get that red coloring which people enjoy most of the time people would judge uh, our pork belly because it doesn't have that red color as opposed to you know for us we like more of the meat because the meat absorbs more of the marinade that we make as opposed to the fattier part so over the years we just kind of figure out okay we serve mainly the meatier piece of that pork belly people don't like it because it's not absorbing the color much so we're like okay let's go back to just finding a vendor that can give us kind of in that between where we get more meat and more flavor so it's over the years we kind of do that. We just switched to um, English cucumbers now. So we're trying that out. It's been three weeks. So we're just trying to figure out different things where, number one, our main our main goal is to make sure that we can execute it right and be consistent. Number two, we, we try to cut down on labor where we can so that our team can focus more on, you know, order accuracy or package of food correctly or making sure we accommodate everyone's modifications correctly as opposed to spending, spending more time in the kitchen trying to prep. Right. All right. So like I, like I said earlier, your Instagram name is Boss Lady Roostar. Yes. <laughs> when did you sort of embrace that Boss Lady title and what does it mean to you to be the boss lady? Like, what is what does that entail? So honest, honestly, for me, I've always had a very type A, you know, dominating personality. You know, the reason why we have our, our businesses as open kitchen is because, you know, we're like an open book. You know, you might see me come in and you can tell like, oh, she's in that work mode or she's and I can, I'm able to turn it on and off. And over the years, I've had some, you know, comments, not so nice comments of how I manage. But I feel like, you know, that's just the rawness of running a business. Sometimes you can't do it in a nice way. Sometimes it has to be uh, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And so I'm a very straightforward person. I don't, you know. It, I'm very, it's very black and white. It's, I'm not going to pretend that things are very, you know, hunky dory in, in this industry that we're in. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of patience. You know, I train every single individual that's in our company and I still do it to this day. And I feel that that's very important. It fits into the culture and to be able to build that and have people loyal with you or crew members to work with you to this day. I think that's very important. So I just, I'm just very boss of everything that I do. <laughs> if there's something that I don't know, I still do the hell out of it, or I learn myself if I can. And I think that with women in this industry, we get a lot of pressures or they look at us like, even to this day, I kind of blend in. I don't let them know that I'm the boss, but you know, they, I want people to see that women can stick together because you know, a lot of our crew members are women dominating even though I like the guys too, but it just so happens that, you know, us ladies stick together no matter what. 
And that's why I feel like, you know, we, we, we work extra harder, we care harder, we do everything with heart and soul. And we just continue doing that to this day. And I'm just very blessed to have a company where I have a lot of strong women that no matter what, whenever I'm down, I see them, I work for them. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I follow you guys on Instagram and I'm always so impressed that it seems like not all the time, but every now and then, you know, you and Ronnie will take a group of employees out for a nice dinner or on a trip or whatever. And I guess just talk a little bit about kind of creating that culture with your employees where, you know, there's, there's obviously very clear standards um, and high expectations, but also, you know, pretty generous rewards, like when you achieve the the goals. Yes. So absolutely. We kind of broken it into three phases. Um, you know, the first phase was to build a good support system. And that meant finding a good accountant, bringing in HR, having a good lawyer, having a good banker, having a good lender. We had to build that strong team first. Once we had that down, the second phase was to build and retain leadership. So whether it meant Ronnie had to take the guys to go, you know, taste test, like we just recently went to Eureka Heights, you know, just for our rep to kind of over different styles of beer. We feel like it's, yes, we're having a good time too, but it's also a means for us to educate them. Um, We also... On the third phase that we do, we execute daily. So Ronnie and I are there day in and out. If we're not there, we are doing something outside of work where we meet with our team, have meetings. We go through our P&L sheet. We talk about goals for the month, goals of the year, uh, what's going on with our numbers, where we can save on, where we can, you know, just things like that, things like that. We also encourage our managers, you know, to take their team out if they feel like they've worked hard to reward them. So it's not only our call, you know, yes, we think it's important to build a relationship outside of work, but we encourage that openness for our managers as well. So there's some sort of leadership where it's not always Ronnie and Linda. So you've grown from, from one location and now two locations. Uh, I will say your, your Galleria location is very close to the culture map office. And so you're a favorite lunch option for a whole bunch of my coworkers, both on the culture map side and the radio station. And now you're kind of looking at a third location. Let's talk a little bit about kind of growing from one to two. And and now that you're looking at three, how did you, how did you kind of decide you guys were ready to expand and and what are your aspirations for, for three? Well, I don't think we ever even planned on having even a two or the first one. It's sort of just, we, we felt when we opened the spring branch location back in 2013, we were just two desperate college students that kind of just went all in, you know, we opened six credit cards. I left my good paying job and just didn't even think of it left my only our only form of income to kind of open this restaurant. And within six months, the spring branch community, they were so welcoming and amazing to us that we, Ronnie and I had a moment where we're like, oh, we, we think we have something going on here. And so at that moment, it just took a lot of trying to find our, our, the best team to be able to execute this. And it took us four years until we decided to open the Richmond location, which is the one located close to Culture Map. And we just did that because, you know, 
the people in Spring Branch are crew members that have been with us since day one. We felt like in order for, for, for us to give them an opportunity where it was a higher position or a challenge, um, we felt like we had to grow in order to do that. Um, and the community involvement helped us with that as well because, you know, just giving us that, that, that hope that, you know, they will always support us whether we fail or not. And it just was important to us, whether it was you writing up an article or Allison Cook writing us on the Houston Chronicle or us doing, um, you know, the Bun Me Cook-Off with BPSOS. We felt like it was a combination of the community support and our team that we had to keep going, keep thriving. Once we opened the Richmond location and, you know, catering business on that side was very good. And, you know, of course, during the pandemic, that slowed down a bit. But the folks in that area, they do a ton of Uber, DoorDash, Postmates, Grubhub, which we partner with. So that has kept us afloat there and just kind of, you know, shown us that, yes, it sucks that Uber, DoorDash and Postmates takes a portion of the money you make. However, not having those platforms, I think we would have we would not survive, to be honest. Um, and then fast forward to the East End, we feel like we are at a point where we're, we still have the energy, our team is growing. We have a lot of ambitious people that have goals. Um, their goals becomes our goals and we wanna help them reach that goal. In order to do that, we have to expand. And if expanding means, you know, coaching our managers to become leaders, if expanding means providing value to our community, if expanding means providing value into our vendors and partners, then that's what we will do in order to deliver happiness. So where are you kind of in the process of building out three and, and when do you expect it to open? So the we're expected to open the East End District probably in the summer of this year is what we're hoping for. Um, we're super excited about the area. Um, we chose that area too because we feel like the East End District is underserved. We feel like it's very hip, it's young, it fits into our culture, our brand, it's very artistic, and we feel like we can showcase our canvas there. Yeah, and I, I know that you've you've had some interactions with the East End Management District. You've you've met your neighbors at Acadian Coast. I mean yes. Yes. What's it been like kind of getting to know that neighborhood? Oh, I'm super excited. It, it totally gives us vibes of Spring Branch. I'm already meeting tons of people, even folks at Spring Branch hearing we're opening in the East End and they're telling me that they grew up in the East End District. They have family that still lives there. We have people, you know, we, we put that post of, hey, we're going to, we're, we're opening up there and we have people messaging us on the daily. When are you guys open? You know, um, we're 110% committed. Ronnie and I already have an apartment that we we're renting for two years over at the East End. So we are going to do continue doing what we do, and we're going all in with this. We're super excited. We have a walk-up window to accommodate folks who will be walking around that area. We're excited about, um, you know, a great patio space, TVs for when sports are a must to watch. We're going to put an area where kids can play. I think that this is going to be great and, and we can't, we cannot wait. All right. And then I have to ask you separately about working with your husband, because I, I mean, I can tell you, I never in my life have I been in a relationship with someone where I thought I want to see you all the time, right? <laughs> I, I want to see you at home. And then when I go to work, I want to do the work thing. Cause I, I want, a break from you. So what's it like 
what's it like working with your your partner because it just it just seems like a it it seems like a very intense uh potentially way to way to live well um it's not i would say it's not the first time someone asked me a question like this um i would i wouldn't say how is it like to be living or opening up a business with your partner i would say more specifically ronnie you know he's a creative person he is very straightforward cutthroat it doesn't matter if your sister brother family friend aunt uncle if there's if he has an opinion he will express it and he will tell you and he will tell you the why and i feel like having someone like him on my side um it really does help us me personally and it just helps our team grow better because ronnie's able to vision envision things that we don't foresee you know i'm a very i focus on the operation i'm very day to day i look at the time of the year the month our team and and all that and ronnie he looks at things where it's like he can see the future and and i want to emphasize that more is when we before covid hit you know we had the app already in place our team our customers have already been using the app ronnie decided to put a bunch of sanitizing stations around both the stores and we thought okay do we need that much you know and then then he decided let's take uber doordash postmates so on our workstation we will have four ipads to accommodate this online platforms and in the beginning our back of the house crew they're a little bit older but they're just like oh my gosh what is this we have to print tickets and learn how to use the t- technology and over it took us about 2 to 3 years to get the team understanding this and once the pandemic hit we were already had everything in place you know we were still rolling and 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 i think that's why we are where we are today hence why we decided to open roostar 3 is because i feel like we've been thrown all the punches and we just were able to execute it and see the light at the end of the tunnel we just got to keep going and being with someone like Ronnie who's always pushing you who's always telling you the when why how it's like i cannot complain i need it you know because <laughs> right right so all right so so Ronnie's kind of big picture you're more day to day yes i'm more day to day he he has like that vision and whether it sounds crazy absurd impossible i execute it i make it happen <laughs> i make it you guys it. are a good team yeah, we are. <laughs> so what are what are your kind of goals like to get ready for three to kind of get everything to where you feel like you can sort of be away from from Spring Branch and Galleria to focus on on the East End? So since we decided to open up Rooster Three, we've already had training people since last year during the pandemic to um, improve that. So we've been doing a lot of training. Uh, we've given it a lot of promotions over the past few months. We've changed, you know, the way our website was. We started partnering up with Radon Creative and redesigned our website. We kind of evolved our online platform where our app is easier to use. Eventually, we're going to have a self-kiosk system. So right now it's just coaching, managing, supporting our team, uh, reminding them that, you know, their goal to be able to improve and grow together when with the third one is ready but once the third one's ready i think ron and i will be there mainly to focus on that right now i'm we're very confident that both locations 
are doing very well. We were able to have a good partnership in our HR, our accounting firm. Pretty much our team over the pandemic were challenged to help with, you know, assisting with inventory management. And we have great partners, Lone Star Produce, Kim Sun, we partnered them with as well. We use Tablet for our accounting firm. Um, we use Labat. Now the name of the game is, you know, Labat has our pre-marinated pork now. And eventually we're going to work with, you know, getting our chicken pre-marinated, our beef pre-marinated. So our goal is to consistency. And in order, in order to grow and grow bigger, you have to be consistent. And that's our the next step that we're, we're going. We're going to get seasoning packets already made. Uh, our glazes already pre-made. So our team just executes from there. All right. So, so how much growth do you anticipate? I mean, what's your, how many, how many restars would you like to, to be responsible for? Well, I'm, I'm getting ready to be responsible for three. And I already told Ronnie that, you know, three is a lot. And, and the third one is probably the only one that I'm going to agree to. We also have a wedding we're planning for in November, which was supposed to be last year. We had to move it to this year. Of course, I'm not getting any younger. We want to have children. But having three locations, I think, where we can maintain, where the culture is still intact, the people are still with us. You know, the, the guests are so supportive and happy. I think that, you know, three is a good number, to be honest, at this point. But like I said, if, if, if our future tells us that, you know, we have a great team that we want to have something more for them to bring value to our community, our team and our vendors, then we'll continue to grow that way if that's, if that's our calling at that point. Well, and then do you ever think about maybe like a different kind of restaurant concept? I mean, you, you know, three, three banh mi shops and I mean, I, I see you guys eat out at basically every good restaurant in Houston. <laughs> um, I mean, do you ever get inspired? Do you think like, oh, I'd love to put my spin on uh, yeah, it's, some other genre? Sometimes we think about it, but we feel like we do. We love the food, Vietnamese food, banh mi's that we create. And it's just for now, I think that we want to stay focused. We want to stay focused and we don't want to deter on uh, just things because we have a lot of people on the line that depend on us. Right. Well, Linda, I will say that that kind of brings me to the end of my questions. Is there something I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? Well, first of all, I wanted, um, it's not about me. I wanted to let you know that I've been really enjoying the clubhouse, um, you know, groups that y'all do every Monday. Munchies. Oh, thank you. Right? Yeah, that's been really fun. And I haven't really talked about it on this show. But yes, it's, uh, it's me and Abbas uh, Dahani and Michael Ma and Julie Jules uh, holding it down on Clubhouse. It's a really fun platform. It's a nice way to interact with people. It reminds me a little bit of both talk radio and like an old school AOL chat room. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like each and every one of you, and what do they call it, mods? Yes. Okay. You guys yes. bring a certain different feel and vibe to the content that you have. And Ronnie and I enjoy it. We, we love it. Um, we also um, feel like it's something that we need, you know, and, and, and it's very great. We love it. So we can't wait to connect soon. Well, you know, we like to have people from the restaurant business join us. So you guys will have to to come hang out with us one night and tell your story and interact with the people a little bit. 
Yeah. How was it being on a, you usually do the lightning round, but how was it when Ronnie asked you about the lightning? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really fun. I thought, you know, and, and I like, uh, you know, anytime that people engage with my work, whether it's by listening to the podcast or reading the articles or following me on Instagram, I I just consider that to be the, the biggest compliment because you know, it's just like in the restaurant business, there are dozens of restaurants that people could go to for any given meal. Right. There are however many websites or Instagram follows or podcasts that people could interact with. So yeah, no, I still get really flattered. Anytime someone says, anytime someone pays me a compliment, I, I still, that just still feels really tremendous. Even, even though I've been doing this for a while now. Well, we, we personally wanted to thank you too. First, for having us on here. Second, for just the continuous love and support you've given us over the years. It's helped us kind of grow just to have folks like you support us, even writing an article or mentioning us. It really means a lot to us. And we, we really appreciate you and what you do for the community. Well, that's, that's very kind of you. I, you know, I, as I said, you know, I really enjoy your food. I've always been uh, very impressed by what you do and how you do it. And, you know, when I can use this platform to spread good news to people about the the good work that people are doing, I think that's, that's always very rewarding for me. So, so thank you for the kind words. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I will say, you know, you keep working hard because you, you've you earned, you've earned the positive attention from me and, and all the other uh, writers in town who have, uh, who have paid attention to you. So, you know, keep, keep at it, keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I wanted to mention we're uh, getting ready to do a documentary with Michael Ma as well, um, who is also one of our good friends. So keep a lookout for that. And thanks for, you know, posting about diversion because it's like Ronnie and I's go-to place every week. So we love it. It's uh, it's very different than than what you would expect from Spring Branch, right? That's well, I, a, I it's a really diversion, interesting place. Diversion is, I think, how they pronounce it. Yes, diversion. Yes, yes. Stephen Salazar's uh, ultra elevated cocktail bar. Yes, it's it's amazing, and we kind of don't want to tell people about it just because we love it so much. But it's awesome. Oh well, very good. No, I'm glad you like it. All right. Well. You know, I can't let you leave without you now playing the lightning round. <laughs> I knew five, easy, five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. All right, let's do it. L- Linda Wynn, what is your favorite ingredient? I would say truffle salt. All right. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Maroon 5. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Chick-fil-A. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? My favorite Houston sports figure. Let's see. I don't know. Is there like a cougar that was, you know, big time when you guys were going to school there? Not really. I was never in, you know, I was laser beam focused. That's a hard one. All right. (laughs) We'll skip it. And then finally, when you go out for pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Oh, I I love just a good pepperoni cheese pizza. Very good. All right, Linda, give us all the the website and the social media and everything for Roostar Vietnamese Grill. So follow us on Roostar Vietnamese Grill or myself at Boss Lady Roostar, Ronnie at Hello Roostar. And, you know, you can hit us up, let us know, come support us. We'll be opening our third location in the summer of this year. We're looking forward to meeting everyone. All right, Linda, thank you so much.
Thank you, Eric. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.